I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, William Nylander strikes it rich. What comes next for the Toronto Maple Leafs? In studio, we have Randy Hahn from San Jose and remotely Carter Brooks from Winnipeg. And Cutter Goche, controversial trade from Anaheim to Philadelphia. We break it all down for you. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trikos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. I'm Michael Trakos. This is Ryan Kennedy. And Ryan, let's get right into it. Toronto Maple Leafs, it's official, have signed William Nylander. Big contract, $11.5 million over eight years. Um, This didn't go the summer. I think this was the main thing is this got done during the season. If you're Bradford Living and you're (laughs) still living in the shadow of losing Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk, this was you know, very important. What are your first impressions of this deal? It's certainly a big deal, but if Nylander had gone to the open market, mm-hmm. imagine what the contract would have been. So it's it's not a discount. There's there's no hometown discount here in Toronto for sure. I mean, this is a lot of money. There's never a discount in Toronto. It's true, with, which is strange. With players who are under the age of 40, it feels like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You look at the season William Nylander has had, it's the best season of his career. Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic for Toronto. Um, you know, some of their other stars have scuffled at times, and he's always been there for them. So it totally makes sense. I know a lot of people are going to look at the context and say, well, now, you know, with that core four, you're going to have four guys making basically $11 million plus next year. Marner makes 10.9, but, you know, whatever. We'll round because we're journalists. <laughs> um, but, you know, can you win with four guys making that much money? Now, I mean, the big question, of course, is if they win this year, then you don't have to worry about anything because yep. titles live forever. But the cap is going up. It does put Toronto in a bit of a spot in filling out the rest of the roster. But there's certainly solutions here. I yeah. think uh, time's on their time is going to be on their side. Yeah, and because Tavares comes up in 2025, and that's the thing you're going to yeah. subtract 11 million dollars in a year. Yeah, exactly. Like if Tavares is going to come back after that deal expires in the the summer of of 2025, it's going to be for like half of that. Oh yeah, I could see it being something like less than $5 million, honestly, mm. for a guy that's made a ton of money and is going to be, what, 35 years old right. around that time? I don't know how much you're paying a 35-year-old, but it's probably going to be significantly, significantly less than $11 million. The question is, you mentioned, can you win with those guys? And, and 
more importantly, can you win with four forwards making that much money? Like, it, it'd mm-hmm. be great if William Nylander or Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews or Tavares was a defenseman, but right. we haven't even talked about, like, the fact that Morgan Riley's making $7.5 million as well. Very true. So you put him, I think you have to put him into that core. Uh, he's really the core five. Sure. Um, and when you've got that much money tied up into your offense... It doesn't leave you room for a goaltender. It doesn't mm-hmm. give you room for uh, a one B defenseman. Yeah. If you think that Morgan Riley's a one A, yeah. it's going to be real tough for this team next year. Yeah, and I, I think the the key is going to be in filling out certain key spots and and hoping that you can do so through youth or you know uh, you know players that you're getting value from like like Joseph Wool in net. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's a player where. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> this is pretty incredible. <laughs> Next year, same contract as he's on right now, he's going to be making $766,000. So if your starting goaltender is making less than eight hundred k, that's a huge windfall for you. And then, you know, you look at building out the bottom six, mm-hmm. does Fraser Minton hang on next year? Right, you know, he got a look this year. Went back to junior, played on the world junior team. Was underwhelming. Um, Easton Cowan, another right. teen player that would be on an entry level deal that you could put in your bottom six because you know he's got great wheels. He can kill penalties. You know, ideally, maybe in his prime, he's not a bottom six guy. But if you needed him on an entry level contract where you're getting a lot of surplus value, if he's on your fourth line, then. There's another guy that's, you know, kind of quote unquote cheap labor for you. These are things you're going to have to hope for. You know, Connor Timmins staying healthy. That's a solid defenseman only making $1.1 million a year. Um, you know, Jake McCabe's only going to give me making $2 million once again. So it's a dance and a lot's got to go right, but there is a path. Oh, yeah. And, and they're going to have to find these bargain bin type players like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone Benoit, uh, 775000 Matt mm-hmm. Nyes, he's still not uh, going to be up yep. for uh, renewal on his contract. He's only making uh, $925,000. But you're talking about like bargain basement deals for a team that a lot of people are projecting should win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many Stanley Cup teams have a goaltending tandem that's making a combined under $3 million. Yeah. Did Vegas do it last year? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But again, that's not by design, Ryan. No, it's not. It's not like you, Vegas said, hey, we're going to go in with like... Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. Yeah. yeah like yeah. at one time they had Robin Lehner there. Right. Yeah. Like it just, no one goes into these kind of situations going, our goaltending uh, next year is going to be Joseph Wall and Dennis Hildeby, right. who are combined making one point. Uh, 700,000. Yeah. Like it just, it seems laughable to an extent. And I know, you know, offense can fix a lot of problems. We saw that year after year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They Mm -hmm. haven't had like a star studded defense. Right. This isn't going to be a defense that matches up with Vegas. And again, you're talking about Vegas. Well, Vegas' defense, I'd stack up against anyone really. Sure. That's probably why Aiden Hill's able to play that well. Yeah. You know, Toronto's going to basically leave their guy out the dry and just hope to outscore their problems. (laughs) Yeah, and, and again, if, if the Leafs happen to win the Stanley Cup this year, I'm not saying they're a favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but if they win the Cup this year, none of this talk matters. Because True. the season after that, 
You could play Ryan Reeves on your second line and no one's going to care. <laughs> well, let's play devil's advocate. Okay, they win the cup, that's fine. No one cares. Yeah. They go in the first round. Then what's you got problems. Wait, what's the narrative going to be going into next season? Yeah, the narrative is going to be that somebody's got to go. Okay, and that, yeah. let's, let's talk about that because Mitch Marner is the next guy up. Mm-hmm. And already there's talk that Marner's camp is already saying, hey, Nylander got 11-5. We're looking at a lot north of that, right. um, close to what Matthews got, which was 13.25. Is that the next thing? Are you, is this team in a position where they have to sign Marner, or is that now up for debate whether you know, they trade him and get that defenseman where you make your goaltenders a little, uh, make their situation a little easier? Mm. If they don't win this year then you have to explore that. Now, Marner does have a no-move clause, so he'd have to be on board with anything they do. But if they lose again this year, especially if it's in the first round, uh, you have to do something because you can't just keep tossing out the same lineup over and over again and hope that you get a different result. That's the definition of insanity, right? Those Uh, no-move clauses, jeez, man. Matthews has one, Tavares has one, Marner has one, and now Nylander has one. And also, Tyler Bertuzzi has one. Yeah. Oh, Also, uh, no trade clauses for David Camp, Carl Youngcrook, Max Domi. Wow, Morgan Riley has a no-move clause. TJ Brody has a no-trade clause. Obviously, some of these are modified ones, but right. wow. Like, I don't, can they make those moves that we're talking about? Well, again, that's something that you would have to negotiate with the player. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's just a matter of the, play, a matter of the player saying, okay, well, I don't want to go to these particular markets, uh, but I will go here, here, and here. And then the team can go to those other franchises and say, look, you know, we think we can get you a top-notch NHL star, what can you do for us? What can we work out here? So it, it's, it's definitely uh, adds barriers. But when you're talking about a guy like Mitch Marner, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot of players put up the numbers he does in oh, the yeah. NHL or have the potential to do so. Uh, so, you know, I, I think if, if it doesn't work out, there are options, but it's, it's not easy. A massive trade the other day. Jamie Drysdale goes from Anaheim to Philadelphia for prospect Cutter Gauthier. And uh, also, there was a 2025 second round pick going with Drysdale wow. for Gauthier. Uh, Cutter Gauthier uh, obviously had a fantastic World Juniors for Team USA. They won gold. Uh, he was my runner-up for MVP of the tournament. I had him on my media all-star ballot as well. Uh, but controversial because the Flyers are saying Gauthier was not going to sign with them, and he was a high first-round draft pick for them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Philly fans are pretty sour right now. Yeah, and that's a fan base that you don't want to kind of piss off there, Ryan. Um, They have long memories, and it sounds like all the talk from management, coaching, even players – they didn't help matters either. They're not yeah. saying like, you know what, we're just happy to have Jamie Drysdale. Like yeah. the quote from uh, John Tedarello was like, I don't know Cutter Gauthier from a hole in the wall. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And yeah, um, they have long memories. Obviously this kind of you know, harkens back to the Eric Lindros, um, you know, getting Eric Lindros. So obviously it kind of worked in reverse fashion, but yeah. we've seen this move a lot of times. Um, yeah. Maybe not to this extent where it's big, been big news, but Adam Fox, 
Um, you know, was what, originally Calgary. drafted by Calgary. Yep. Um, goes to Carolina. Um, then goes to New York. Yeah, his right. Yeah, his rights went to Carolina, and they figured, well, he's he's not, not going to go there either. either so <laughs> went to the Rangers. Yeah, before that, Blake Wheeler um, was drafted by Arizona. Uh, worked his way out. So it's it's not anything new. At the same time, it, it's big news. Like Cutter Goche is tearing it up for Boston this year. Yeah, uh, big power forward. You, you figure this is a guy that you know screams Philadelphia Flyer. And honestly, he's one of my favorite prospects around right now because you're right. He does have size. He moves very well. Uh, he's a center. He can play wing as well. Like he played wing for part of his NTDP career, and mm-hmm. then he he played center. and And when he did that during his draft year, it's like, ooh, okay. Well, now he's even more valuable because he's great down the middle. He's a wicked shot, uh, and he's versatile. You know, they played him on the penalty kill. Um, you know. When he was with the NTDB, he's been fantastic for Boston College uh, so far. Last year he was great. This is his sophomore season. He's been great as well. So it's tough because I, I think that Philly did well here to get Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, I know yeah. he's had a lot of injury problems, but when Jamie Drysdale's healthy, I mean, he's the prototypical modern offensive defenseman in the NHL, right? He's that puck mover. He's super smart. You know, he can put up points for you from the back end. Uh, And obviously you get a pick as well. But in terms of fit, it's kind of a tough one because if I'm looking at Anaheim, it's like, okay, well, you got Mason McTavish, you got Leo Carlson, um, you got Trevor Zegras, who obviously this year hasn't been great for him. Uh, But it's like, it's kind of a luxury to get Cutter Gauthier. Now, if they put him on the the wing mm-hmm. with, say, Leo Carlson, it's like, okay, well, that's pretty hot. I like that. Um, if you look at Philly, I guess it makes a little more sense where they could use more help on D. They've got a lot of young guys trying to find their place in the organization. I think that's something they've done really well this year. We've talked about it before, that sort of meritocracy. But, you know, I, I think for Philly, it's a bit more of a fit where it's like, okay, Anthony D'Angelo didn't work out last year. <laughs> Jamie Drysdale's a more responsible version. You know, mm-hmm. he can still get you that, that puck moving that offense. But maybe he's a better fit on that Flyers decor where they don't have as many options coming up as Anaheim, where we know they were stacked, whether it's Minchikoff, Olin Zellweger, Jackson Lacombe. Like, they had a lot of young blue liners. So Anaheim, in a weird way, could afford to make this trade just because of their depth. But... Just kind of an interesting swap. Yeah, well, if you're Philly, you get a defenseman and you get a player right now uh, for this season, too. Um, didn't sound like Cutter Goche obviously wasn't going to go to Philadelphia. He wasn't going to go this season either. Um, so, you know, I like the trade for both teams, to be honest. Like, that Anaheim team, they're in a prime position to get a top three pick this year. Mm. So you put Cutter Goche on a line with Macklin Celebrini, and this trade is looking even better for Anaheim. True. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of fun. Like I think both teams kind of worked out, you know. And this could have been a difficult situation had this trade or the trade demands become public. Totally. And all of a sudden, you're Philly, and you're like, okay, well, we're, we have no leverage now. We're at a position uh, where we just have to move a guy. You're not moving him for Drysdale at that point. No, it's true. So you moved a guy, a top five pick for a guy who went sixth overall a couple years earlier. That's a win in my mind. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I think that it, it was a tough situation. And, you know, Daniel Briere, you know, he's a, he's a young GM, 
I think he did a really good job here. I think we've yeah. seen a really good track record so far from Briere, who is on the cover of Money and Power with his Philly cohorts. So Cutter Goche, like I know you were, you just came back from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, saw him there live. What were your impressions of just that U.S. team? Because you know Cutter Goche, we could be talking about him not too long from now uh, when U.S. is putting together their Olympic team. I'm not saying that he's going to be a for sure player, but that they've got a lot of these guys now who just won gold medal and. That's, people are saying it might have been one of the U.S.'s best World Junior teams. I said it myself on okay. this show. <laughs> I said this could be the best U.S. team ever. They went undefeated. They beat Sweden in the final, and it was decisive. Oh, yeah. Um, they yeah. beat them up. They beat them up. Yeah, <laughs> Literally. They, yeah, Lane Hudson. The, yeah, and it's so funny. They, the boys are back in town was their goal song. It was fantastic. Yeah. But I thought at the end of the game, if the boys want to fight, you better let them. And that's what they did. But, uh, yeah, Goche was fantastic. As I said, you know, he was, when it comes to the media all-star voting, um, I was going back and forth between Jonathan LeCaramacchi from Sweden and Cutter Goche from Team USA for MVP. I decided to go with LeCaramacchi because Goche had so many more weapons on his team. So, you know, it was great that he put up as many points as he did. He was one of the top scorers in the tournament. But if it wasn't him, you know, it was Ike Howard, it was Jimmy Snuggerud, it was Will Smith, it was Rucker McGroarty. Like, they had so many good players. And even though they're going to lose some of those players next year, I'm going to call it now. They're still the favorite going into next season because that whole line of Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot, all NHL first-rounders from this past summer, they can all return. Trey Augustine can return in net. You know, um, there's some defensemen that they can get back on the blue line. I think there's 11 players eligible to come back next year. Wow. And they're all super talented. And there are kids that didn't make the team this year, like James Hagens, Cole Eiserman, who will most definitely be there next year. And they are like top three picks in their respective drafts. Let me ask you this. So Team Canada, obviously, is a disappointing finish for them. Yeah. But they're missing, obviously, Connor Bedard, mm. Adam Fantilli, Kevin Korczynski, Tyler Benson, they got Matt uh, Potra. Yeah. But had they had those guys that I just mentioned, right. is it a different story? Oh, yeah. If it's Bedard and Fantilli and, and Zach Benson, uh, Tyler Bedard, Benson's too old. Oh, uh, what did I say, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, no problem. Uh, and then Tristan Luneau was supposed to be one of their key defensemen, and he got an, uh, a serious illness slash infe- viral infection. So right. he was out. Tanner Mullendyke got hurt. Um, Certainly. I mean, if you have Bedard and Fantilli, it's a completely different tournament. Um, because, I mean, those guys are super-sized. Bedard, I, you know, his tournament last year, his MVP <laughs> performance was nuts. I think it was like three points a game yeah. or close to it, right? Just so tore it up. Yeah, exactly. Completely different story. The goaltending still would have been average at best. So but that for a team you have that, to... But for Team Canada, they couldn't score. Or they, that was their one knock this year. It certainly was, yeah. The offense just did not get in gear. Max Celebrini was kind of the only one they could really be counted on. And, and even there, like, I mean, they did get shut out by Sweden mm. uh, in the round robin. So, you know, offense was certainly a problem. Yeah, Celebrini looked good. He was great. And, you know, uh, for me, it's just sort of a confirmation that it's like, yeah, that's the guy that you want number one. And uh, you know what? Canada, they'll have to see who's available next year. We're uh, pleased to be joined by Carter Brooks, our Winnipeg Jets site editor. And 
Wow, what a story it's been from the Jets this year, Carter. Six in a row, and here's something I didn't think I'd be mentioning. Best team in the Central, best team in the NHL, I believe. Mm-hmm. How surprising is this for you? You know what? It's it's equally surprising as it is expected. There are so many perennial stars on this team. The Jets went to bed last night and woke up this morning still in first place. Like you said, first place not only in the Central, not only the Western, but also the whole league. They didn't play last night. Other teams did. They had the chance to fall out of that first place spot. But you know what? Winnipeg is firing all cylinders. Things started a little bit, you know, a little shaky. Rick Bonus stepped away for a month. Scott O'Neill filled in extraordinarily. And this team has been without star player after star player for, you know, the better part of this season. Gabe Velarde went down three games in. He missed seven weeks. Kyle Connors, 13 games out on an MCL sprain. And he's, you know what, the Jets, they've, they've lost two total games with him away. Like Things are going very well. It is surprising, but you know what, this team is built for success. And whether or not it has come in past years, I think this year has been a little bit of a proving grounds for, for this Winnipeg Jets team. Now, Carter, we knew that Connor Halebuck was one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Uh, in the summer, I think a lot of teams were hoping they could snatch him away from Winnipeg. That obviously did not happen. But is he just – is this the best he's ever been? Like, I, as far as I know, in terms of, like, goals saved above expected, he's the best in the NHL right now. Uh, and it's not close. Yeah. <laughs> what are we seeing from him? He, he's got 15.6 goals saved above expected, as you're mentioning there. Like that's, that's two full goals saved above expected higher than the next best guy. Which, you wow. know what, that, that, kinda, that spread is, is insane. The guys he's going up against, of course, right now, Thatcher Demko. Um, a sensational season with Vancouver. But Connor Hellebuck right now has 20 wins in 29 games. That's incredible. That's a pace that he has never played at. He, he has set 44 wins in the 2018 season. That was sensational. Last year, again, a, a strong campaign from Connor, but a 2.27 goals against average, a 0.921 save percentage. Those numbers are almost immaculate. He's, he's won recently the December's third star of the month. He's won this past week, star of the week. Third, third star, of course. And you know what? It's it's a fourth All-Star Game appearance for Connor this February, recently voted in. And this this guy is he's playing lights out. And it's as much as people want to say, you know what, um, Winnipeg's hot right now. I don't know. It's not just Connor either, because Laurent Brossois is six three and zero. He has almost identical numbers, save percentage, and goals against average wise. So like this team defense, this goaltending, it's. It's hands down. It's it's going. It's firing all cylinders, and you know what? It's it's working out. And right now, who doesn't want to be the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, it's funny because you know th- this is a team that's been rocked by injury. Obviously, Kyle Connor going down earlier. Uh, you thought was going to hurt the team. Then mm-hmm. you mentioned they lose uh, Rick Bonus, who again I'm thinking, okay, that that's a disaster. We kept hearing year after year something's amiss in this room. They got to get rid of some guys. There's some poison in that dressing room. A year ago, Blake Wheeler gets stripped of the captaincy. Blake Wheeler is no longer there. And yet this dressing room, it just feels like it's stronger than ever. You're there every day. What's the feel around the Winnipeg Jets in that room right now? Because no matter what adversity is thrown their way, this team just keeps finding ways to win. 
You know what? I've said this before a couple times, just the past couple of months, people are asking me, what's going on? Why is this team working so well? What is it? Do you see something different on a day-to-day basis? And as a matter of fact, I do. When I roll into the room after, let's say, a, a practice and, you know, guys come off the ice at different times from their practice. You know what? Some of the veteran guys are off there quicker. Some of the younger guys are staying on for extra work. Some of the healthy scratches are on way later. There are guys who are injured. There's people that are rehabbing stuff, working on face-offs, you know, going over things with certain coaches. So when I come down to the room and guys are in various stages of undress, um, they're all kind of sitting together and chatting and chumming it up. Whereas in past years, you know what, they'd come down to their stall, they'd undo their skates, pop off the shin pads, strip off the jersey and, you know, throw it in the bin and walk off the showers. But this year, I mean, I'm seeing guys sit there shirtless, maybe just uh, one shin pad left, just chatting, shooting the breeze with guy just got off the ice beside him and he sits down and talks for five minutes. Then the guy beside him on his left, he rolls in, takes off his elbow pads and he just kind of sits there fully dressed and chats the next 10 minutes and we get reporters walking in, strolling up to guys, sitting down chatting. This is a group of players that care about each other. This is a group of players that are there for each other and clearly want to get better and want to have fun together on and off the ice. So that, for me, is where I see difference in this team compared to past teams. You know what? We've, we've said stuff like, you know what? Dad's gone now. It's time to let the kids run free. And that might be true. Blake Wheeler was maybe a father figure on this team. And now that he's no longer in the room, the kids are able to do things their own way. And you know what? At, at every part of life, there's a, there's a time to grow up and a time to do things your own way. And I think that these these Jets are starting to see that and they're starting to realize that and it's it's really showing and it's working for for this team on and off the ice. And, you know, you look at how they're having success on the ice. Defensively, they've been really good. And, you know, again, Rick Bonus, a coach uh, very well respected. I've often said, you know, if you have to play one of his teams in the playoffs, mm. you're not going to have fun no. uh, because things are very structured. But what sort of influence uh, has, has he had on this team and I, I guess this season in particular? And, and why do you think they've been so good defensively? You know what? I think a lot of it comes down to communication and the way that Bones sits down and chats with his guys on a daily basis. We see it on the ice. We see it at practice. We see it when some of these guys are struggling. You know what happened? Nate Schmidt was benched. Nate Schmidt was a healthy scratch for a couple of games earlier this year. And he bounced back and has been a stellar defensive player. Nate Schmidt is not one who's known as a stellar defensive player. He was often known as the offensive flair. He was that Washington Capitals quarterback on the point before John Carlson was John Carlson. He moved to Vegas, filled a similar role, helped nurture a guy like Shea Theodore. He then moved to Vancouver. Things didn't work, came to Winnipeg, and things were going fine. But you know what? He kind of fell off his game and lost his way. And Bones sat him down and said, hey, we got to sort this out. What's going on here? And he sat out a couple of games. But you know what? He bounced back. He is doing great. This defense, there are 8, 9, 10, 11 able bodies to play defense for the Winnipeg Jets in any given night. They got a log jam. There are too many defensemen. Everyone knows that. That's a big story here in town. But finding the right combination of guys seems to be working right now, and they've stuck with it. These guys are committed to clearing out the net front. Connor Halibut can see the puck. When he sees the puck, this guy is all world. He might be the number one goaltender in the league for the next five years if he continues to play this way. He has been in that conversation for the past five years, but he could have five more strong top three or four goaltender years left on his 
you know, sign a new seven-year contract. This guy is going to be that for the Winnipeg Jets as long as he gets the help he needs. And right now, he's got everybody working his way. Uh, Carter, before we leave, uh, Cole Perfetti having a breakout year. Um, his contract's up at the end of the year. What's the any chatter about um, him re-signing? Um, obviously, he's going to re-sign, but uh, in terms of what that dollar and what that term is going to look like? You know what? I don't know if they have been in conversation with Cole throughout the year. Of course, as a younger player, these are kind of things that kind of fall into play as, as the season rolls along and as our restricted free agency begins. So right now, I don't personally have any insights as to where you think he'd be signing at. But he'll be getting a payday. This has been a breakout campaign for Cole. And you know what? The past year and change has been as well. He just was hurt. So he didn't have the opportunity to really get his name out there. People know what this guy is capable of. If you've been watching his OHL career, if you saw him in past years before he you know, it went down for 20-some-odd games with various injuries. But this guy has been able to produce in a top six role. He's served in the top line, served in the second line. He's served in the power play, comes in strong off the boards. He is going to get paid. We don't quite know where it is yet. Of course, a salary cap is not officially announced. But where things are going to be with Cole, I I would give it in the neighborhood of, well, three, three and a half million dollars is probably where he's looking. Um, at the kind of way that he's played, if he's able to sign up a three or four year deal, if that's what the team is looking at, that's probably the range they want for this top six player who's been delivering. You know what? He's gotten through some of injury concerns and is able to prove that he is a strong, capable, able forward in the NHL and able to play this top six role that Winnipeg so covets. Awesome. All right, Carter, uh, Winnipeg Jets got the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. They're looking for win number seven in a row. Thanks again to Carter Brooks, Winnipeg Jets site editor. Stay with us. The Hockey News pregame show is coming up right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. And now we are joined by iconic San Jose Sharks (laughs) broadcaster Randy Hahn. Randy, thanks so much for being here. Uh, You have seen it all in your time in San Jose, and this is a very interesting season for the Sharks. A young squad, a rebuilding squad. What's the vibe been like? Well, first of all, iconic, aging. Um, (laughs) It's been a a different vibe um, because, as you know, the Sharks, for such a long time, almost since their inception, and this is year 32, believe it or not, uh, we're a good team. Um, Some exceptions along the way. But we're a cup contender, uh, certainly a playoff regular for a long, long time. And this will be year five that they won't be going to the playoffs. So it's a, it's a different time in the, in the franchise. Um, and we all knew that it was going to be a challenging year. I mean, just the way uh, the, the franchise is approaching the, the rebuild, you knew that this was going to be a, a tough year. But you never know how they're going to unfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you certainly hate to start 0-10-1, uh, which they did with two games within that in consecutive games where they gave up 10 goals 
on consecutive games to uh, to Vancouver uh, and Pittsburgh. But you, again, you don't know. And now here we are in an 11-game losing streak again. It's almost unbelievable to think you could lose 11 in a row twice within the first half. Right. But that's what's happened. So the vibe is, uh, you know, it's disappointment, but couched in the fact that this is part of the reality of trying to build yourself back up in a cap, a hard cap league, and uh, it that that's the reality. Yeah, we were talking about that before you came on. Is like, what would you rather be a one and done team, like where you win a Stanley Cup and then you're out of the playoffs for like the next decade, or would you rather go the San Jose model, where every year come playoff time, it would seem like the Sharks were. Is this going to be the year that they win? And you're always in everyone's kind of uh, focal point that way. So I guess that's the feeling is you go through some tough times now, and then you possibly get to where they were uh, and during those heydays. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the most frustrating thing probably is the fact that the Sharks put all their chips into the middle a number of times, mm-hmm. which is probably why they're paying the price now, not having their pipeline stocked with prospects, and, and, and pushing to the middle and not getting over the top. Right. You know, that's the frustration. If the Sharks had a cup, or I'm not gonna say two, let's say they had a cup, this would be more palatable because right. it would be like, we got over the hump and now we're paying that price, but we have rings. Um, our fans have a championship to celebrate um, and we just didn't get over that hump. So it makes this a little tougher and I, I think you always want the championship. Um, no matter what. So I, I think this would be easier to swallow if there was a banner in the rafters at SAP Center, and there's not. Yeah. And, you know, looking towards the future, obviously, you know, some, some recent high picks. Will Smith had a fantastic yeah. World Juniors for Team USA, obviously winning gold. Uh, William Eklund, already in the lineup, one of yeah. those guys that you would hope would be kind of that next generation of Sharks Stars, what have you seen from Eklund this year in his growth? It's it hasn't been a straight line, with as is the case with most players, and and this is his third year as a pro. The Sharks didn't rush him; um, they sent him back to Sweden. Then they put him in the American Hockey League to earn his his uh, spot in the lineup, which I think is the prudent way to do it. Um, and and I think we've seen his growth. Um, in, a, in a very uh, visible way where he's an impactful player, not every night, um, but at his age, uh, that's understandable. And I think you can see him being part of the solution. Um, is he generational? Of course not. Uh, but Will Smith, you know, is, is presumably going to be in the NHL sooner than later. We don't know exactly when. Uh, and if the Sharks uh, continue on the, the current path, they're going to have a very high pick in the next draft. Is it Macklin Celebrini? You know, many Sharks fans hope that's who it is. And yep. then let, let's just for the sake of argument say it is. Now you have Will Smith, you have Macklin Celebrini, you have William Eklund. You have some players the Sharks have now, like Tomas Hurdle, who's signed long-term. Uh, Fabian Zetterland, who's been a real nice acquisition from New Jersey. Um, Shakir Mukmadulin, who's still in the American Hockey League, who came over in the Timo Meyer trade from the, uh, from the Devils, and others. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can start to to see the blueprint of how this thing hopefully will go, but we all know what the draft is like and you're, you're projecting futures for 17 and 18 year olds and that can be uh, tricky. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, quite the next couple of years, I guess, for Mike Greer and company because you know they still have like guys like Logan Couture, you got Thomas Hertel there, um, you've got that older generation that you hope will kind of shepherd that young group in. 
Yeah, and I think that's important too. You can't trade everybody. No. You right. can't move all the pieces. You have to have linkage between experience and, and the youth. And, yeah, learn and, from someone. Yeah, some mentoring that's going to have to go, go along. So, you know, another player that comes to mind who, who may fit in that role too is Mikhail Granlund, who, mm. um, you know, had an unfortunate experience in his trade to Pittsburgh last year at the deadline and it didn't work out. But he's been probably the best acquisition from uh, the offseason by Greer and his group as far as bringing in a veteran. Uh, and he's, he's not on an expiring contract, so presumably he, he would be there next year and maybe even going forward. So you're right, you have to have those pieces. Um, Mark Edward Vlasic is still part of the group on defense. Um, you've got Mario Ferraro, who's now a five-year veteran. Wow. Who knows? Uh, you know, I'm just... Uh, I'm just free-balling here as far as who's there now and come trade deadline time. There could be um, some of those people not with the Sharks anymore. But you do have that fabric of of some experience. But it's not the days of Joe Thornton, um, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns. Uh, That's that's the past. And, uh, you know, we're we're looking forward. There you go. Well, the Sharks are going to get a big test tonight against Toronto and uh, you know what time it is Ryan it is rapid fire time my friend all right producer Connor what kind of questions you got for us we'll see we're starting off with one that is not mine it is in fact yours that you came up with (laughs) oh have the US replaced Canada as the best country at international hockey tournaments yeah I mean if you look at the world juniors certainly Uh, we talked about this earlier. certainly certainly one tournament they won Here's the problem, goaltending, right? In terms of like forward and defense talent, you're gonna have years where Canada's better, you're gonna have years where the Americans are better, but Canada's got no goaltending and there's not a lot coming up the pipe. I mean, who knows, it's a weird position and somebody could, you know, be great next year, we never know. But the Americans consistently have good goaltending. And this year they had two great options, Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler, both of whom got the job done when they took turns in the crease. Um, Canada, you know, they're gonna have their phenoms and I think that's when they're gonna strike. You know, like Michael Misa, when he gets his shot at the World Juniors, that could be big for Canada. Gavin McKenna, same deal. But just in terms of depth and talent, the Americans are right there with Canada when it comes to scoring punch and, and certainly defensive play as well. First off, let's not forget the star power that was not at the World Juniors that could have been for Canada. Very uh, true. Bedard, Fantilli, etc. Yeah. But has the U.S. at least matched Canada? I would say yes. Um, and I'm not just talking World Juniors, Ryan. I'm talking World Cup and Olympics, which are next on the calendar. You know, Austin Matthews is American. Jack Hughes is American. The Hughes, both Hughes brothers, uh, both Kachucks. There's a lot of talent coming from the U.S. And you're right. Um, even from the NHL level, I would put the U.S. goaltending ahead of the Canadian goaltending. But easily, you still got Connor McDavid. You still got Sid Crosby. You still yeah. got a ton of Canadian talent. So I don't think the U.S. has eclipsed Canada. But you know, they are a worthy opponent. Certainly. All right. Next question: Should the NHL stop having a representative from each team? at the All-Star Game, or weekend, with a note, the host team does have to have somebody because that just makes sense. So Toronto still gets to have their players? Yes. Right. Okay. I wholeheartedly agree. 
I like how the NBA does it. It's very mercenary. It's like, here are the biggest stars in the league. Sorry if you're on a middling small market <laughs> team. We don't want you here. Uh, I, I, I just want the biggest stars. And I want the most skilled guys. And yeah, I, I want the hometown guys because that's the fun. They always do something extra special with the fans. But yeah, I just want the best guys. It, I, you don't need every team. I, I, I get why they do it, but I don't care. I disagree. Um, every team does have a star, Ryan. The problem is every team doesn't send its star to the All-Star game. So you've got a team like Columbus, and I think that's where the argument is. And it's like, why is Boone Jenner there? Well, they could have had Johnny Goudreau. Mm -hmm. They could have had Adam Fantilli. Heck, they could have had Patrick Laine had he been healthy. Mm -hmm. Those are star players. Are they All-Star caliber players this year? No, but they're still name-recognized players. So I think every team... Minus maybe a couple where you're going, eh, is that a star player or not? Yeah. But they have recognizable names. And if I'm a fan in Columbus or a fan in San Jose, yeah, I want to see a representative of the team I cheer for on a daily basis. So, yeah, keep them coming. Just do a better job picking. All right. Next question. We're sticking with a theme of the best. Okay. Mm -hmm. Going to the PWHL. Yeah. They just launched. What have you thought of it so far? Pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I, I know there was some rumblings in the industry that they, you know, before the games actually started, that there were some missteps and people were getting worried that, you know, here we go again. But they've knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And fan interest has been sky high, which is awesome to see. This is all we wanted, right? We wanted all the best women in the world in the same place, you know, playing in front of good crowds getting the attention they deserve, and that's what we've seen so far. I, I agree with you, Ryan. Um, it looked like it was going to be a disaster when they announced the names, when they announced the jerseys, they were getting panned all over the place. It looked like they were literally just launching this without any thought. But then you look at the attendance, you look at the, you know, the broadcast teams that they've rolled out, everything has been spot on and I'm with you I hope this does succeed I think what we've seen is there is an appetite for women's hockey and it's proven right now so all the more power to them and I hope this continues mm -hmm. one of the things that they've done is they've played around with the rules a little bit and they've instituted a new one which fans have been calling a jailbreak goal which for those of you who don't know is when a player on, or when the penalty killing team scores a goal the penalty that they're killing is over do you like it, and should the NHL consider instituting it? I love it. It's a great reward for a shorthanded goal, uh, and you know it, it rewards being aggressive. I, I think probably on special teams you'll see more goals either way, because if you're going for a jailbreak and don't get it, as Connor pointed out before we filmed this, all of a sudden the team with the, the power play is going to be like, four on two, four on one. Right. Uh, I think it's a great wrinkle. I, I would totally be up for, to see the NHL do it. And I also love because if you do score a jailbreak goal, you could play either jailbreak by ACDC or, jail, <laughs> or jailbreak by Thin Lizzy. Uh, I like the Thin Lizzy version. I know that song. It's a really good song. It's fantastic. Um, and I love this rule. Um, I don't know why the NHL hasn't adopted this. And again, this just goes to the women's game. Like they are doing everything right ever since they have launched. So. Um, I like this because you don't see teams icing the puck now. Mm. So there we go. Do we have time for one more? Let's go real quick. One more. Okay. Yes or no? Is Trevor Zegras now expendable in Anaheim after they acquired Cutter Gauthier? I never thought I'd say this, but I think he might be. No. Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, Cutter Gauthier, unless you put one of them on the wing. 
I don't know. I think he still needs to, uh, Trevor Zegris. I can't even say his name, but uh, to sell tickets, I think he's an electrifying player. He certainly is. Um, I wouldn't want to see him go. I want to see him with Leo Carlson. So sure. there we go. Yeah. Listen, this has been the Hockey News pregame show. Again, I want to thank BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. We're going to see you next time at the rink.